for you. At least I think we will. There we go. All right. And it looks like a guy serving a, a platter of food there. That's typically how I get mine in the evening, um, usually. Um, all right, here we go. Wait, I should not. I should not say things like that, should I? My wife's the best. Galatians 5.13, if you have your Bibles, please, you're welcome to turn there. We'll be uh, drawing from that, but we do have it on the screen here. Are you able to see that okay back there? All right. Here we go. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, and we use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, to Galatia, Paul wrote this letter to the church there, and it was... Uh, it was one of the the churches that was heavily under the influence of the Greeks, um, but it was also a group of people that were struggling in their faith. And so Paul, nearing the end of the book, and I've thought for some time about preaching entirely through the book of Galatians because it's such a rich book. And uh, But nonetheless, um, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And what I want to focus on particularly is the last part of that verse but by love serve one another. And a second passage that we want to look at is uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing but be done through strife or vainglory. Boy, if that could be the case, can you imagine? Well, what would that do in our homes? What would it do in our churches? What would it do in our marriages? If you just simply took the front portion of that verse, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. You know, the Bible says, only only by pride cometh contention. The Bible says soft answer turns away wrath. And so most of our problems, uh, I've said it numerous times, but my biggest enemy in life is me. My, the, the guy that gives me the most trouble is not anybody else. It's me. It's me. And uh, what are you saying, Sid? I'm giving, you, uh, I'm, I'm giving you more trouble than anybody in life. Um, by the way, that's good last week. I've uh, I, I told him I, I was out running last week, and this thing is driving me nuts here. Um, and uh, there's a hill that I hate on my run. Absolutely hate it. And I was thinking about what he said. Uh, you got to learn to love the things you hate. And so as I was heading up that hill, I I thought of Sid Stone. I hate hills. I hate Sid. No, I just <laughs> no. no. I just and I I took. Come on, you guys know I'm kidding. But I told him Sunday morning, I said, man, I said, it worked for me. And I, I said, I'm not going to let this hill beat me. And so it's amazing because a lot of times you s you preach something, you wanted anybody to get it. And I guarantee you people took, took, took that home with them, that thought. It was an excellent thought. But uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So the lesson tonight is, is simply this. We are saved to serve. It's a responsibility for every child of God. It is uh, uh, sometimes we, you know, in fact, um, in, in our prep for Sunday uh, recently, and I was, I was going over some things, most people have the wrong idea of salvation, at least at the outset. And that is they, what is Christianity going to do for me? What is God going to do for me? And we have this idea that when I get saved, first of all, God's going to take care of every one of my problems. Now, it doesn't mean that, that you're not going to have somebody to go through those problems with you, but it doesn't mean they're going to vanish. Uh, people that are, that are good uh, people, that are, that are saved people, go through difficulty. Always remember that. And by the way, it's never a sign 
is that you're away from God when troubles come your way. And classic example, I know I'm u- use him often, but uh, the Bible reminds us in the New Testament, you've heard of the suffering of Job. Um, and y- y- you have heard of the patience of Job, rather. But you, you understand that everything that he went through was to be an example for us. And so don't ever think somebody going through a tough time is a sign that God is, is casting judgment upon them because the first thing he said to Job about Job was, hast thou considered my servant Job? So uh, we're not saved for what God can do for us. Now, first thing we get, of course, is we, we, we're, we're removed from the penalty of sin. I mean, we're delivered from that. You and I don't have to go to hell. And man, praise the Lord for that. It doesn't matter how bad your life is, you're never going to have to go to hell. But uh, sometimes we, we, we still live under the influence and the temptation of sin, of course. But God saved us for a reason. That was to serve him. And so when you get saved, understand there's several things that fall in line. Paul's writing to the church here at Galatia, and he tells them that. In one other verse, and I'm going to jump into the first, uh, first point here. And that is, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, that doesn't mean to be a snoop. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean to be a busybody because the Bible speaks about that. Somebody that's always one, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Well, let me tell you. That's not what that is. It is taking the focus off yourself and finding out about the needs and hurts of other people. And that's what Paul is addressing here to the church at uh, Philippi in this particular instance in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. So the first thing that we see is the word esteem. And uh, we find that there in uh, chapter 2 and verse number, uh, let's see, which one is it here? Verse number 3, to esteem, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about other people? Because most people have a pretty high opinion of themselves, and they tend to think, typically, naturally, less of other people. And, and the Lord says, let each esteem others better than themselves. By, by the way, that's not a feigned humility. It's not, well, woe is me. It's not the Eeyore mentality. Or it's not having a lack of confidence in, in saying, you know, I, I can't do anything. You know, I don't, I'm no good for it. That's not what I'm talking about. Because I don't think the Lord is pleased with that either. Because God made you, and he made you specifically, and he knew exactly all your strengths and weaknesses and what they were going to be. And it's not like you showed up and, uh, oh, we got to find a place for him. we got to find a place for her. I don't, you know, I forgot. Uh, we shut down the gift train the day they were coming through the line. And uh, we just, you know, sorry, snooze, you lose. You got here late. That's not how, that's not how it works. So, but what God says is your opinion of other people ought to be higher than it is of yourself. Classic example. What did Paul say about himself? Chiefest of sinners. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul the one that God used to pen half the New Testament, he said, nobody's worse than me. Now, he was going by his own testimony and his own pattern in his own life. He was there when they stoned Stephen. The Bible tells us by his own testimony, by most scholars, is that Paul told people, hey, that's what my past was like. And he probably used it as a way of illustration. And so Luke, in writing, we, we learn later, as Luke is writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit, there was a young man there when Stephen was stoned, first martyr of the New Testament after, the, after Christ, um, and, and, he, and his young man, whose name was Saul. That was something Paul had to deal with the rest of his life. And so Paul's thinking, man, I don't know how God can use me. I'm a sinner. In fact, I'm the worst there's ever been. And so when it comes to esteeming, you ought to have a higher opinion of other people than you do of yourself. 
you know, one of the things that uh, uh, the Trailblazers played a game the other night, I heard. I, um, <laughs> anybody hear anything about that? I was telling someone that uh, my wife and I, we, uh, and Lauren, we DVR'd it. And so by the time we got home Tuesday night, it was uh, 9 o'clock. And so the game was already well, well going, but we turned it on. We, we always uh, skip all the commercials and the free throws timeouts i just seriously because you can watch a game very fast if you'll do that of course everybody's going up and down the court like this but that's okay too <laughs> but we got up to the end and of course if you didn't hear it was, it was spectacular uh they were down by 15 points with seven minutes to go came back and won by the most ridiculous shot 37 foot shot no time on the clock at the buzzer it was just just crazy but what struck me is they were they were showing the parallel between Damian Lillard hit a similar shot uh, from the other side, and it was just beyond the three-point line against the Houston Rockets to clinch the series 2012? 2012, I think. And, uh, but they showed, and this is what was marked to me. Um, Damian Lillard hits that shot seven years ago, and he's doing this with his jersey. You know, he's thumping his jersey, and he's so arrogant and, 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 and very, very proud. But this one was a lot different. And uh, I, several people that I, you know, Coach Osborne has talked about how he's really matured in, 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 in a lot of ways. And, I, boy, one of the things, he was, he was very humble in his post-game interview. I mean, and I watched it, and I might have recorded or played the shot back like 20 times. I don't know. Just so amazing seeing that crowd, everybody standing for that one shot. But, boy, one thing you see in our culture today is an overabundance of pride. I mean, it's, it, it is rampant everywhere. When we see it in our culture, it's easy for us to adapt to it. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, as I said, it's a verse I quoted uh, before we started tonight, only by pride cometh contention. You know, and I, I think, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to be, you know I'm not politically correct anyway, and I think everybody probably knows for whom I voted, though I don't know that I said it necessarily publicly. But I, I do loathe the fact that, that our, our politicians at the highest levels can't get along. Now, I'm not talking about philosophically and principally. I realize the differences will be enormous. I realize those people that are talking about a, a women's reproductive rights are really talking about killing babies. And I'm not afraid to say it that way. And I understand the gulf will always be huge bet between us on matters of conscience that are clear from the Word of God. But I'll be honest with you. I, I have people in my family... I have I have cousins of mine that have that have had them, had an abortion, and I never get into a shouting match. I'm not mean. I'm not ugly. I'm not unkind with them. I, I'm not. They know they know what their cousin, who's a pastor, believes, but I can still get along with them. I don't have to be a, I don't have to be a jerk, um, whether I disagree with them or not. But and I think one of the things we see, and man, is just it's it's who can shout each other down the the most and call each other this and and back and forth and back and forth. And the Word of God says, only by pride cometh contention. You know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that are tough to sift through. And you try to figure them out. Well, what did God mean when he said that? That was pretty clear. And so if there's a, if there's a rift, if there is a problem, then typically the key component that is relevant all across the board is pride. That's what God said. And so when it, it, pride is removed when you find yourself esteeming someone, putting them in a higher position in your mind than you give yourself. And typically what we want to do is we want to push ourselves up. We want to, you know, 
you, you know, in fact, the Lord said, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And man says, no, I can't do that. I got to exalt. I got to promote. But that's exactly what the devil tried to do. And so always remember that God's ways are polar opposite to the devil. The devil, rather, is polar opposite of whatever God is. And so um, the first thing we see about serving and made and designed and saved to serve is what do we esteem? And we need to esteem others rather than ourselves. Um, Another thing, we need to be careful of the things that we esteem in our mind. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm talking about uh, Damian Lillard hitting that shot. And, I, you know, when, when I had the opportunity to go into the locker room, weight room, and all that a couple weeks ago, I'll be honest with you, man, because I'm a sports nut. Uh, you, you know that, um, in case you didn't know that. Um, but And so for me, walking down there, and I walk in, and there's C.J. McCollum, and he's, he's on the treadmill. And, uh, and it, it gets off the treadmill to come and introduce himself to me. I mean, he was out for, you know, a few days with his, with his knee, and so he was getting some treatment. Guy was in there training. I'm standing there for a few minutes, and I'm thinking, and, and I'm looking at, I, it was amazing because they got this massive cooler, and everybody's got their pregame protein shakes, and they got their names on them. So I went over there and thought, you know, <laughs> CJ's not playing. I'll take that one. You know, but anyway, and so it, it, was just, it was pretty, it was surreal. And I'll be honest with you. I was like, dude, this is awesome. You know what I was doing? Yes. I'm, t- I'm using me as the example. So I'm walking in there, there's C.J. McCollum. And he comes over and introduces himself to me, and I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know who you are. He says, he says how you doing? I'm C.J. McCollum. Thanks for being here tonight. I'm thinking, <laughs> no. Now, I didn't do that because I, made, I, I told myself, whatever you do, don't do, don't do that. So I didn't. I told him who I was, but, you know, like, like he cared, like he ever remembered. But I thought how gracious it was for him to come over off the treadmill, knowing that I was there to do the chapel service, and he, he was there and, and stuck around for it. He told me it's the best chapel service he ever heard in his life. But my, my point is, we esteem things. And our priority, typically, all of us, myself included, is very different than God's. Very different. You know, you think, for instance, how do you think God esteems a missionary who's been laboring on a foreign field for 30 years, and if he walked in the door tonight, nobody would have a clue who he was? You know, C.J. McCollum walks in. Can I get a selfie? And here's the, I, I'm just telling you, our, our, our esteeming things is way out of whack when it comes to God. It's just very important to understand that. So if we're saved to serve, one of the things that we have to make sure we have in line is that we esteem or we place value on things that matter to God. You know, because God's, uh, God's priority, God's, God's system of measuring the value and worth of things is very different than ours. Very different. And so the first one is esteem. The second one, and I, I, I jump right along into this one, is the word love. Now, the Bible gives us a number of things, and I, I'll use the first one, one of the very, very common verse. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. God says this is the identifying mark or characteristic of a child of God, is that you love each other. And yet, no matter where you go, you do find strife. And he tells us, he says, let nothing be done through strife. Now, th- that doesn't mean striving together. It means striving against one another. Um, the Bible gives the example of a threefold cord is not easily broken. Um, 
the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed. And so when it comes to serving the Lord together, one of the things we've got to make sure is that we esteem, we put the right value on the right things, and we, we value those things that matter to God. And then we make sure that we love one another. And this one is, you, you know, to be honest with you, we hit it from time to time on a regular Sunday morning or a Sunday night even. I think I mentioned it some Sunday night as we were closing out uh, the series on But God Moments from the Bible. But this one is one that you can't mention too much. And I'll tell you why. Do you ever have to tell your children to get along or you just tell them one time and that was it? Never had to say it again. It was amazing. It was a miracle. Are you kidding? It, uh, it is every single time. And you know, you think, Man, if I told you once, now I, I don't know how many times I heard my mom say that, but but she and usually it was Stuart Lee. And uh, if she ever called me Stuart, it was okay. But if she ever said, usually if it was David Scott and got to me, you know, she, I don't know why they do that. They they like start at the top. Okay, what is this? The birth order book? Uh, I don't know. But she goes, David Scott, Stuart Lee, and I was like, here, you know. <laughs> but but I knew that it when she got to that. It was trouble. And sometimes she would say, if I've told you once, so I always repeated it then because I thought it was cool. No, I never did. <laughs> I, but I knew what was coming. Um, if I told you once, I've told you a hundred times, or maybe it was a thousand times. I don't know. what, But, it, but it, the idea was, how many times i got to keep telling you this? And yet you will find this same thought echoed from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, good night. Here's Joseph. I'm reading a book right now that's fascinating on Joseph and some some angles from his life that I Joseph's one of my favorite characters anyway. I not only is he is he uh, of course probably the clearest example of a type of Christ. I don't think there's any anybody that questions that. I mean he, there's so many types. Uh, you know, betrayed by his brethren, sold into slavery and uh, but anyway, uh, but here's Joseph and even even in his life you you find that uh, boy there was still that that angst. Does anybody in here ever wonder? Maybe this is just me. I don't know how many times I've read Genesis. I couldn't tell you. But do you ever wonder if maybe God was pleased with the way he kept toying with his brothers? Anybody ever wonder that or is it just me? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad or wrong because I know I'm going to see him one day in heaven and I, I want to be able to you know, high five or something or chest bump if they did that kind of thing. But, but, I, but I don't want him to think I'm slamming him here because the Bible says the Lord was with him and caused all that he did to prosper. But does anybody ever wonder if may, maybe did he, was God pleased with the fact, hey, stick the silver cup in the bag. This is going to be great. I mean, I, 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 am I alone in that? Come on. Anybody ever wonder that? Okay, so some of you are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's in the Bible, Old Testament, Genesis. But, but as he's doing that, and then when he gets thrown into prison for the false accusations against, against Potiphar's wife, he's in prison. And... Uh, Boy, boy, he says, you know, he, he interprets the dream of the butler and the baker. Butler, he told him, he said, you're going to be brought back up, you know, and this will be great, you know, you're going to be pouring, uh, pouring uh, Pharaoh's cup again. Baker, bad news here, buddy. Um, bread, head, not good, you know, <laughs> just, uh, just trust me. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know why, uh, well, why did he s even tell him what his dream was? He could have said, ah, it's not real clear right now, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Because you think about that. Nobody ever reads the Bible like I do, right? Okay, I can tell. Some of you are thinking, man, who thinks these things? But I'm, re I'm reading that because I'm thinking 72 hours. This guy's got to deal with that. I mean, really, nobody else has thought that? Come on, don't leave me hanging. I've thought about that poor guy, 72 hours, you know. 
but anyway, so he tells him his story, and this, this guy's probably, you know, going around for the next three days like this, you know, I'm going to die. And Joe's like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you are, you know, I, I, I don't know. But he tells him this. He says, when you get out of here, remember me. And he tells him, I shouldn't be here. You almost see, even though I know the Bible says the Lord was with him and caused all of you to prosper. But for a window, you almost see, it's like, uh, in fact, I, I was reading one guy recently, and he said, God kept Joseph in the pressure cooker for two more years because he had not resolved forgiveness in his heart to his brethren. Because he's still 18 years later. Now, I won't argue with the guy, but I, I thought it was an interesting, interesting perspective. Because 18 years later, he's saying, I don't belong here. This shouldn't be happening to me. Now, I think I would have probably said it the rest of my life, not just 18 years later. But nonetheless, that was what Joseph was doing. I, I can see a little bit of that vantage point, that perspective perhaps. But, but God says, I'll tell you the telling point for a child of God. Do you love each other? In every home, in every marriage, in every church, in every place of work, where there is strife, there is pride. And there is an absence of that right there. Now, sometimes we tolerate things. We say, yeah, do you love the brethren? Yeah, I guess I do. I mean, I'm supposed to. God said to. And so, yeah, I do. I mean, how much? Well, how much do I have to? You know, that's kind of how we are. And so um, it does not matter how many times we see this repeated. I don't know how many times I've quoted this verse. By the way, not just to other people, but to me as well. I, I, I say it often, but when I preach, Understand this, God's always working me over too. I'm not, I'm not a specimen of perfection. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and were it not for God's grace, my life would be a mess. And I, I guarantee you, I don't, I don't stand up here as, as anything other than a sinner saved by grace. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. But I know that this is an area that how many, how many times have I read this? How many times have I seen this? How many times have I quoted it? Or, or used it in a sermon, or had it expressed to me, or, or heard it in a message by this. This, this singular thing. Everybody's going to know, you're my child, if you love my children. You know, and uh, boy, how important, what a reminder that is to us. Because how many times would, if, if my brothers and I were, were having a knockdown drag out, I can remember what I'm telling them, man, you... What are you guys doing? You're brothers. Yeah, what about it? <laughs> you know, black eye, bloody lip, or whatever, you know? Uh, and that was my sister. No. Um, <laughs> okay, all right, she's smaller. She can't help it. No, just see if you're awake. But, but here is the Lord reminding us, love each other. Esteem the things that matter and make sure that as God's people, you love each other. Lord, we thank you for what you've given us tonight and the opportunity to be here for a few moments. And I pray, Lord, that you would indeed help us, Lord, to have a love for each other, a love for the things that you love, and to esteem the things that you hold dear and that you esteem. Lord, bless our church. Bless every family represented here. And God, indeed, we are grateful, Lord, for what you've given us. We ask your favor, your blessing on everyone and every family represented here tonight. And Lord, give us a good remainder of our week and a great Saturday with the work day and then on Sunday as well. Lord, please meet with us and help us. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I would ask you to be praying for Sunday's message. I'm going a very different direction than I ever have for a Sunday morning sermon.
And so uh, pray about that. Pray that, uh, pray that our, the Lord leads and directs, all right?